Trudy Nan Boyce is a debut author with a 30-year history in law enforcement. Her new novel, Out of the Blues, is a fast-paced and insightful thriller that takes full advantage of that experience. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Are you ready? Let's get this show rolling. Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Trudy Nan Boyce, the author of Out of the Blues, a gritty new crime novel that was released in late February. Trudy, welcome. Thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate your having me. Well, it's a pleasure to chat with you. This is your debut novel, and we'll get into some of that a little bit later on, but I think it'll be interesting for listeners to get a sense of what your background is and what qualifies you to write a book like this. Well, I was in law enforcement for more than 30 years uh, in the city of Atlanta, and um, like my protagonist, I worked um, a single-person car in the projects on Evening Watch for a number of years. I had a very interesting career. I worked homicide. I worked uh, special victims, crimes against children. I was a hostage negotiator, a crisis negotiator. Um, I got to work on some special projects involving the homeless and training officers to de-escalate people with mental illnesses and who were in crisis. Um, I ended up um, as a commander in the East Precinct and then uh, finally retired. So it was a great, fun career. (laughs) It sounds harrowing, the idea of being in a single-person car in the projects area. And it was the height of the uh, the, of the uh, crack epidemic too. Well, you learn to you you learn to police smart and to rely on the community. And I think that's one of the uh, one of the uh, important things about um, about out of the blues is how the protagonist has relationships in the community. Well, let's talk about your protagonist, Sarah Salt Alt. (laughs) I love that name. Tell tell us about her and how she's like you and how she differs from you. I guess uh, we'll talk about the differences. Uh, she's uh, certainly younger, uh, stronger, faster. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's she's taller. She's got blue eyes and dark hair. And uh... does she have your accent? Because you've got a little. There's a hint of the of Atlanta in your voice. Not a lot, yeah. but a little. She, she is, she's a Southern girl and from the Atlanta area. She's actually her family. She has a family home. She lives in a family home, an old antebellum home um, that's south of Atlanta, and she commutes to work um, driving into the city. And uh, so I'm, uh, I consider myself an Atlanta native. I've been here since I was a young teenager. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I love the city. So she loves the city. Her father was uh, a police officer in the city. My police, my father was a minister. And uh, she has a much more tragic past than I have. I actually had a pretty wonderful childhood. So, uh, so she's got some uh, ghosts that haunt her. And uh, but she is like her father in some ways that she 
she works closely um, with the the citizens that uh, in the communities communities that she polices. And when the novel begins, at least for Salt, she is starting her first day as a detective. She is, and she has found her father's coat. Um, his trench coat that he never had the opportunity to wear, and she's wearing that on her first day in homicide. So she carries with her some history into the homicide office. Well, give us a little sense uh, of the storyline for Out of the Blues, if you would. Well, it is um, Salt's first uh, first day. It starts off with her first day in homicide. And she gets wrapped up almost immediately in kind of a crisis situation where she is somewhat at fault and has made a mistake. But she manages to get herself out of that, goes right back into the office, and as no good deed goes unpunished, (laughs) she is um, assigned a cold case of a blues man that uh, presumably, it it was presumed the evidence had pointed to him having died of a drug overdose. New evidence, however, has come to light that that might not be the case. So um, she's not really expected to do much with this homicide, and uh, but she's uh, focused and persistent and uh, begins to uncover um, what happened. And that leads her into the world of blues in many ways, uh, the world of music and also in terms of the history and some of the tragedies of the past of Atlanta. And I'm assuming that this is the start of a series for you. It is. It is. It's very exciting for me. I, um, this is one in the, the first in a trilogy. I'm really enjoying learning more about the the the, the city that I thought I knew really well. Have been <laughs> here, been here for a long time. I live actually, have lived in this old neighborhood downtown for a long time, and have policed in the city for a long time. I got degrees at the city university, and um, I thought I knew the city really well, but when I started delving into some of the history for doing some of the research for Out of the Blues and for the other novels, um, the the uh, city continues to, lo- to delight in revealing its mysteries, both um, the wonderful ones, the creative ones, mm-hmm. the positive ones, as well as the, the tragedies that, that are the city. The city is a very interesting place. Um, it's unusual in that Atlanta is uh, not like other cities. Other cities, many of them are have natural geographical gifts, like they're on bays or bodies of water or oceans or rivers. Atlanta was really built up around the intersection of railroads, and it was originally called Terminus, and um, the city was literally built up around the railroads, and so that's part of the the uh, history of the blues as well, that um, slaves actually laid the tracks and cleared the land for the railroads in the south and in Atlanta, and uh, when Sherman came through and burned the city, the tracks were torn up, then during Reconstruction, um, a lot of people are not aware that uh, many black men were arrested on trumped-up charges and conscripted into labor that rebuilt the railroads as many as, as well as other industries in the South and in Atlanta, in particular like brick making. 
So the city was really literally built up around um, on the backs of black people and the intersection of the blues and the history of Atlanta. In the blues, you have Robert Johnson singing about the hellhound on his trail and meeting the hellhound at the intersection. Uh, and uh, in the book, that's kind of a recurring theme about the black dog of racism sitting at the intersection of Atlanta. And now, I think it's, well, it's not just Atlanta. It's, you know, I think of Atlanta in some ways as the soul of the soulful place and the soul of our country in some ways. And it's a big intersection town where things come together. It certainly is. Having driven through Atlanta a number of times, I've been there a few times and I've, I've driven through it many more times. And uh, it, it seems to be the intersection of the entire country when you're driving through there. Well, I know. And everybody, many people, I feel like they've got a hellhound sitting, <laughs> sitting on it when they come through the city. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it really is kind of a terminus, a, a, an intersection for a lot of the country. Now, are you a fan of the blues? I am a big fan of the blues. And uh, so that's why you chose this particular genre for the, for the crime or the victim, well, it, I guess? Yeah, it seemed like a good vehicle. The death of a blues man mm-hmm. was, seemed like a good vehicle to investigate some things that I'm interested in. And um, my interest in the blues kind of coincided with hearing about the death of uh, – of a, an amazing blues guitarist named Michael Bloomfield, who was a, one of the seminal figures in the resurgence of the blues in the 60s. He was a white kid um, and came out of Chicago, lived in California, but really reintroduced many of the old blues men to the new boomer culture uh, and uh, really, many of the uh, the blues characters, the the uh, the blues men who had been around for a long time, had gone unnoticed and unrecognized until Michael and some other people um, came along. And he was a great guitarist. He's considered one of the great blues guitarists uh, of that time. And he died under mysterious circumstances and was presumed to be a drug overdose in California. Hearing about that was interesting to me, and it got juxtaposed, his death got juxtaposed to a young black uh, fictional blues musician here in Atlanta. And it was, again, it was a chance for me to look at the blues and what the blues has meant. Um, The blues came, really came out of field hollers and work songs, people who were working in the fields, people who were working on the railroads. And so you again see how that was, there was another intersection there with the history of Atlanta. When did you decide you wanted to write? Was it when you were sitting in your car 30-some years ago, alone with your thoughts at night, thinking, yeah, maybe I'd like to be a writer? Or did this this come much later? It was really later. I, I was in... 2001, um, I was working in, uh, as a sergeant supervising a group of detectives in Crimes Against Children. And as a part of my duties every day, I would come in and I would get the reports from the field from the day or the night before and also reports from child services 
And so I would read every morning, I would read through approximately 40 reports of um, child sexual abuse, physical abuse, missing kids, runaways, and assign them to detect those reports to be investigated by the detectives. Well, you can imagine that if one's uh, were in a shaky marriage, which I was at the time, that that, that kind of stress didn't really, you know, didn't really contribute to my positive mental health. So, so my marriage was crumbling. And at the end of 2001, my best friend of 30 years, who had been a burgeoning writer, died of breast cancer. And she and I had been the kind of friends that talk on the phone every other day and, you know, get together a couple times a week. And we'd been through marriages and divorces and childbirth and roommates off and on. And, and so, I knew um, at the end of that year after she died that I was really going to need an outlet. So I signed. I didn't. I'd finished my degrees at university, and I I signed up for a creative writing course. Like I said, she had been a burgeoning writer, and mm-hmm. so as a way to honor her, and as also an outlet, I um, I signed up for a creative writing course with no intention of publishing at all. I just thought it would be a way to to uh, express something. It was, it really was a revelation to me. I uh, rediscovered some of the joy of the street and the creativity of the street um, in, 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 in beginning to write. And um, you know how these creative writing courses, they'll have you do exercises. And uh, one of the first exercises that this wonderful writing teacher had us do was to describe following someone so I kind of had a leg up on that, on that one. <laughs> on that one. Um, but anyway, I immediately kind of flashed back to, uh, you know, writers talk about widowed images. This one night that I was on patrol, and it was in the shadow of Turner Field in a neighborhood that had been decimated by cutting throughs of expressway and the building of a sports stadium. And it was one of these streets where... Every other lot is vacant, and houses are dilapidated and falling down. And street lights, you know, short street street lights are shot out for the most part. And this woman uh, jumps out of the shadows in front of my patrol car. And it was I was on slow patrol, the windows down, so you could see and hear things coming. And um, she was all jerky and herky and skin and bones and patchy hair and tube top and came running over to the side of my car and said, you got to help me find my man. I said, what's going on? She said, I cut him. Mm. I said, well, what, what's going on? Why? She said, we just always fight. I said, why do you stay together? And so she runs in front of the headlights of the patrol car and grabs her crotch, and she said, because he loves my Cuda pot pie. <laughs> and that... That came back to me that that instant you said that that we had that, that exercise to describe, and I found as I was doing the writing that these images continued to come back to me about special times on the street and um, after after a while that all turned into a novel, and she actually that woman her fictional counterpart um, and her fictional children and fictional man and fictional mother uh, came to populate this entire series. Oh, how neat. It was very cool. Like, <laughs> like I, didn't, I didn't even know what I was doing, and, and it seemed to, in some ways, write itself. 
so all these wonderful experiences. And these men says that we said that we write to taste life twice, and really that was my experience. I had the opportunity to re-experience some of the joys and the creativity of the street. As well, people have said that we write to try to understand, and as well as to try to understand some of the things that I had experienced. Yeah, it certainly seems like it could be a cathartic experience while you're going through the death of a friend and a, and a crumbling marriage. It's, it's a great time to begin writing. Yeah, and 2001, of course, was a tragedy for, there was a tragedy for the entire nation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that morning, I actually, 9-11, I was in the office reading those reports, and uh, one of the, my detectives called me into the break room where there was a TV, and the planes were flown into the building, and you know, I, I looked at that, and I immediately returned back to my own stack of tragedies. And so in some ways, um, you know, it seemed like I was just weighing um, these individual kids, and then I'm seeing the planes fly into the building. It seemed like all one piece in some ways. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we have been talking with Trudy Nan Boyce about her new book, Out of the Blues. Trudy, what's the best way for listeners to, or what's the best place for listeners to find you online? Well, I do have a website at trudynanboyce.com altogether. And then I have an uh, author's Facebook page at Trudy Nan Boyce. And um, there's all kinds of information on both of those locations. So. Okay, and I will link to both those in the show notes at crimefiction.fm. Final question, where can listeners find your book? It's uh, available in, in bookstores near you, indie bookstores, um, the, the uh, online bookstores at Amazon and Target, and they can also download the e-versions of the book, too. And as we always say, if uh, if you go to if you if you like to support indie bookstores and and you don't find out of the blues there, ask them for it. They will order it for you. They're more than happy to do that. Trudy, this has been a, a delight chatting with you. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate what you do for us. Thank you.